So um, we've been talking about the book of Ezra, and uh, it's a really interesting book. And we've been um, looking at this journey that happened um, 2,500 years ago, where they were captive in Babylon, and they they go back to their promised land. And um, just kind of a little bit of where we are in the story, because we're now in Ezra 7 and 8. Where we are in the story is uh, a group of them came back, and then they start building the temple. They have some opposition. They stop for a time. Then the, God sends some prophets to get all enthused again. They start building, and they finish the building. And that's when um, a new group of people is now moving back from Babylon into Jerusalem. So there's quite a good, a good amount of people who had stayed, actually, in Babylon, and uh, we're going to be presented finally with Ezra, who is um, the, the main character of the story, and he's someone who has been in Babylon, so he didn't go back, uh, or, well, he wasn't even born when, when the first group went back. Um, so let's have a look at uh, the passage for today, and that's um, Ezra 7. And it says, this Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he asked for, for the hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. He's quite a special person, we will see. Some of the Israelites, including priests, Levites, musicians, gatekeepers, and temple servants, also came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Arctasis. Ezra arrived, this is probably not very... um, important information, has arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month. It's good to know. I hope I'm going to test you afterwards if you remember. When did he arrive and when did he leave? For the gracious hand of his God was on him, but that's important. The gracious hand of God was on him. For Ezra has devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and the teaching, its decrees and laws in Israel. And then we, we can skip down to the end of chapter 8 where it says, there by the Haver Canal, I proclaimed, this is Ezra talking, he said, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of God is on everyone who looks to him but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. And then the end bit, which uh, I'm not going to go into, it just says, and the exiles who had returned from captivity, sacrificed, so arrived safely, and they, they sacrificed all these animals to celebrate that. Um, and um, as we've been on a journey with Ezra, we've also been on a kind of journey as a church, looking at different aspects of what it means to rebuild as Ezra was doing. Uh, and I'd like to go back to a few things we, we shared some weeks ago. And um, if we have this, this was the first, the first talk on Ezra. And we talked about God's call in their life, how, how God called them to go into a new land. The response, which is God's response, God, God's favor, acting in their favor. God's going with them, but actually acting with them. And the choice they had. They had a choice either to go or not. They could choose. Um, and then we 
In, in that same talk, we, we looked at uh, why they went, because they had been promised in Jeremiah that uh, God was going to take them back. And the promise said this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It says, plans to give you hope and a future. This promise was for the, these people, and they're fulfilling it in this time. So we kind of make it our own, but the original promise was for them. And it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So God says, I've got great plans for you. Let's build something together. Let's go to that land and build something there. And um, when we talked about building, uh, we looked at uh, this phrase actually from uh, Mike Pilavachi, which he put on Instagram. And he said, we seek to make, make our little contribution to the renewal of the church for the sake of the world. Mike Pilovac is saying what we do as, as Christians or what, what they do as a church and that I like us to do as well is we want to see renewal in our church. We want to see the spirit of God move amongst us. We want uh, uh, to be a lively church, not only because it's nice to be a lively church, not only because it's, it's nice to say, yes, we are a lively church and we are connecting with God, but actually for the sake of the world around us. We want to be filled with God, not only because um, we, we think it's a nice thing to do, but actually because the people around us need us to be filled with God, need us to be uh, just really passionate about God so that we can stretch out and love them and care for them and remind them how important they are in God's eyes. So we seek to make our little contribution to the renewal of the church for the sake of the world. I love that phrase that he put. So what are we building together? And I'm going to read what I shared some weeks ago. I actually shared this in the 9.30, not here, so it's a bit unfair, so you've never heard this. Um, but because I did the same sermon in both, I thought I can kind of steal this um, from the morning service. But, but, uh, but the truth is this, is, this is truly my heart for us as a church and uh, for uh, especially the two congregations I lead. Um, that I, I want us to be a church and a service for the unchurched. A place where people encounter God. A community that we love being part of. A space where we dream with God, where we hope for the future, where we take risks, where we reflect the love God has for us. But that's something we need to build together. We need to dream together. We need to be part of it and connect together and connect with the rest of the, of the community so that they can taste and see, so that the rest of Ashton and Epson and um, Leatherhead and Banstead and all around can taste and see how amazing our God actually is. And um, as I was thinking on this, and, and I'll, I'll go back to Ezra in a minute, I was thinking, and you, you probably know this already, if you've heard at least half a sermon of mine, you'll know it, I'm a football fan, I love football, and um, one of the things I find really frustrating as a football fan is that um, when you're watching a game on, on the television, um, even though you shout at the players, even though you do anything you want, there's nothing you can do to affect the way your team is performing. You can be the, the biggest fan and have your t-shirt and you can shout at the television, but there's absolutely nothing you can do to make your team play better. And I think we, we should tell a few people this. I don't think they get it, that actually if you shout at the TV, it won't get the team to play better. But um, it's, it's true, and obviously we know it's true. And one of the amazing things about church is that when we feel frustrated, when we feel that things aren't going the way we think they should, when our team isn't performing very well, 
there is something we can do. There is one thing we can do that everyone can do, and that's pray, and that's bring God into that situation. That's interceding and saying, look, God, the our team is not playing very well. Actually, we've missed like three key players. That's probably us. No, I'm kidding. But, um, we, but, but can you come and do something? Can you get involved in what's happening? And you can't do that with a football match that's happening miles away. But you can do with God's church here. You can pray and ask him to do what we can't do. So it brings me back to uh, our, our story for today. And that's Ezra. And Ezra says this. So... We fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. And one of the things I, I find really interesting, it's not that the, the story doesn't just share the story of one prayer that gets answered. It, it tells us a bit more of the background of who Ezra is. Ezra is described as someone who kind of walks with God, who is abiding in his, in his law, and is, you can see at the grace, it says the gracious hand of God was with him. He was someone who actually was very intentional about walking close to God. And therefore, the outcome of afterwards him choosing to fast and pray and see God in action is, is kind of a default of what's all the work that has happened before. It's not just the answer to one prayer. It's actually his choice to walk with God, to actually live a life in God's presence um, that makes uh, this kind of end verse make sense. And sometimes we ask ourselves, why did they fast? Why did they need to fast? And um, there's, there's many reasons, but I think that the heart of fasting, so fasting is uh, not eating generally for a day or some days uh, to spend more time with God. That's, that's the heart of fasting, is, is actually to draw closer to God by saying, I'm going to focus, I'm going to leave these things behind for a bit and focus on God. And the heart of it is really, it's a sign of humility. It's a heart sign of dependency. It's a sign of saying, this is really important to me. My connection with God is really important to me. And that's why in the past people used to fast. And that's why today uh, lots of people fast. And, and I think it's an amazing thing to do. And if you can fast once a month or something, that would be great. It's a good way of actually choosing to walk with God. It's actually saying, this is important in my life. This is something that I really want to focus on. And therefore I choose to fast, not because we have to, not because we're going to get kind of brownie points with God, but actually because it's important for us to connect with God in deep ways. And um, yesterday I was um, at a, a little conference that Rosemary invited me to, uh, and there was uh, this person, it's called Bill, and he was telling a story which I found really interesting. He said um, that uh, a while ago, and I don't know when, but he, I heard the story yesterday, so let's say a few days ago, but it's probably more than that. And he said he, he was in a coffee shop, and he went to a coffee shop just as any other day, just going for a coffee, and um, he noticed that it kind of he, he, he crossed like eyesight with someone, and he kind of felt that God wanted to do something with that person, and he didn't know what, kind of, he felt a bit drawn to that person, and um, he prayed a bit, and he, he, got, he got a sense from God that that person was sad about something, and, um, and therefore, quite uh, kind of uncomfortably, he, he walked down where this guy was and said, look, I, I think you're sad about something, I think God is sharing this uh, with me for you, um, 
And the guy was like, what on earth are you saying? Why is this random person coming to speak to me? Um, but he's, and, and actually, the, the, uh, Bill, who was explaining this yesterday, he was saying, and he felt really uncomfortable as well. He, he just said, I, I don't do this all the time. I just don't go and, and say hello to random people on coffee shops. It's just that I felt God was saying this. And, and as, as he were talking, he also felt that God said, was telling him that... Um, there had been a, a car accident, and someone who he loved had died there, and that's why he was sad. So he, he kind of shared a bit more, and that was exactly the case. And the end of the story was they, they ended up chatting for an hour, uh, praying together, and, and actually uh, this other guy was, wasn't even from the area. It wasn't that it was someone who would then come to the church he goes to or anything. It's just an encounter where this person, Bill, who was walking with God, um, suddenly sensed what God was wanting to do in this other person's life. And, and the amazing thing about this is it's not that God spoke to Bill or, or kind of how he revealed the things. He said God was so interested in the hurt that this guy had, he was so interested in this guy's sadness, the sadness of this person mattered so much to God that he wanted to do something about it. God said, I want this person to know that I love him, that I value him, that I know what he's going through. And therefore, he made this other guy, Bill, go through the whole uncomfortable thing of having to go and chat. But because God loves him so much, he wanted to do something about it. And I think God chose or, or was able to do this with Bill because he was aware of God's presence, because he was willing to do it because he's someone who walks with God and was open to say, okay, God, if, if uh, someone needs me, I'll be there to help out. And he did. Um, so as we, as we think of this new rebuilding, because the whole message of Ezra is they're rebuilding their, their, their temple, their city, um, and we, we are obviously linking it with rebuilding church and how are we building together after a year and a half of COVID and now we're back into services in person and trying to rebuild. I think there's one aspect of rebuilding which is extremely important and that's prayer, that's connection with God, that's walking with God. Because we can have the, the, a lovely community and kind of more or less attractive, nice people but the thing that will make us distinctive, the thing that will really attract people, the thing that will mean that people come in who are hurt and suddenly feel worthy and feel loved is the presence of God amongst us. And there's only one way to have that. It's one way to be with God, and that's through prayer. That's through walking and talking with God. And... The truth is, when I, when I hear this, this story from Bill, and, and I'm going to share another story in a while, I think this is super exciting, isn't it? Living a life like that, where we are trying to carry God's presence, where we're trying to connect with people, where we're searching for people who are hurting, and say, look, actually, God loves you. Actually, uh, there's, there's something more to your life. When we see that someone has no hope, and we can share the hope that we have in Jesus. And when we see that someone feels completely unworthy and unvalued, and we can tell them, actually, Jesus died for you. You're so loved. You're so uh, worthy of his love. Um, it's the most amazing thing. And it's, it's not boring. And, it, and it's not unattractive. It's actually an amazing life that we can have with God. And that's what I see, at least in Ezra, 
this person that walks with God, who is going into a new adventure and says, okay, let's stop, let's fast, let's pray, let's connect with God, let's walk with him, let's make sure God is journeying with us, and he steps into that. And this week as well, I was speaking to a friend who I haven't spoken for a while, and for some very random reason, we ended up having a, a bit of a chat. And um, for another more random reason, we, we ended up talking about kids in church and um, other things. And, and she st- shared with me this story, which I found fascinating. She said that um, some years ago, when she used to help out with the kids group uh, at her church, um, one day, this kid, and they were talking about prayer and how God listens to a prayer, and this, this kid who was seven years old, um, came around and said, look, I'm finding it really hard because uh, I don't know my dad. Uh, he left us when, when I was born. Uh, he's a drug addict, and he, he's just kind of left. I've never seen him, and, and therefore I, I find it hard to kind of see God uh, as a father, and I find it really hard to even think about praying. So she said, okay, let's pray together. Let's pray for, for your dad. And the incredible thing was they prayed for the dad, and the next Sunday, uh, the kid came and said, you know what, this week, my dad came and knocked on our door, and I hadn't seen him before in my life, knocked on our door and said, I'm sorry for what I've done. And, um, and, and, and they, they kind of started a conversation as a family. A week later, the dad was at church because of that prayer, because God was doing something through that seven-year-old prayer. God was creating something new, that God was drawing the dad who was probably going through really hard mental stuff things, through the prayer of a seven-year-old, God was bringing him first to his family, and secondly to him, to restore him, to do something new and beautiful in him. So I'm going to share a a three-minute video. Um, The the quality of the video is really bad, but what uh, this guy says, he's called John Piper, says is really interesting. So um, I I was trying to see if I could get a a better quality video. I couldn't, but what he says is so good that it's it's just worth um, kind of looking at low-quality video. So if you can have the video, please. And it's simply staggering that God would ordain. Now get this that God, the sovereign ruler of the universe, would ordain that prayers cause things. They do. Prayer, prayers cause things to happen that would not happen if you didn't pray. I wonder if any Calvinists out there squirming. Listen to this. When James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask, that does not mean you would have anyway even if you didn't ask because i got a plan. <laughs> the verse doesn't mean the opposite of what it says. It says, you have not because you ask not. That means prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if you didn't pray. This is why this is a staggeringly glorious privilege 
to be taken by the sovereign God of the universe who runs all things according to his infinite wisdom and fold it in to his causality. This is breathtaking. If you do not avail yourself of the privilege of bringing to pass events in the universe that would not take place if you didn't pray, you are acting like a colossal fool. Aren't you? I'm just thinking logically here. If you are offered the privilege of engaging with God in such a way that your request could bring into being things that would not otherwise come into being, not to avail yourself of that privilege is folly of the highest or lowest order. That's why we pray. God is beckoning us into our share in the running of the universe. I like John Piper's passion. Um, but what he says is that means, and it's out of James 4.2, that means prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if you didn't pray. And this is breathtaking. And I think it is, and I think he's just reminding us of something we know and how life-changing, world-changing it can be. So how do, how do we do this? I think we will have our ways of praying, we will have a ways in which we pray, um, and um, it's, we can intercede, we can spend time with God, we can journal, we can worship, we can use the Lectio 365 app, we can use lists of prayers, there's so many ways we can pray, and, and sometimes when we, when we look at all of this, we feel like, okay, where will I find time? How can I do this? And, and I think part of it is probably being a bit more intentional. It's saying, I many times have to walk my dog in the evening for half an hour. I can walk and listen to music. I can walk and think about nothing. Or I can walk and pray. Probably third option is probably the, the right answer. Um, I, I go for a walk. Um, I have a lunch break. There's so many little pockets where we can bring prayer in. And when we remember what prayer can cause, then it's worth doing. Even washing the dishes, whatever. Driving your car, going on a train, whatever you're doing, if we bring prayer in, it can make such a difference to us and to the world around us. I know um, I'm in a time of my life where I have very limited time. Uh, I work quite a bit and I have three little kids. But I've discovered that there's a kind of dead time when I'm putting the kids to bed. Once we've read the stories, are we just sitting there? Or, uh, or sometimes with Toby, who's now 10 months old, you're kind of holding, he's crying, and then suddenly he's quiet for a while. And that's a great time to pray. There's nothing else to do. I just have to rock him a bit. What else can I do whilst I'm rocking? I can pray. I can pray for him and pray for other things. It's just finding that intentionality of saying, Prayer is important. Prayer is super important. And prayer is bringing God into every situation. And we can do it just by being a bit more intentional. So I think the call uh, for me from Ezra's life isn't only 
to pray and intercede. It's actually that he journeyed with God, that he walked with God, that he was with God. He wasn't just someone who would fast and intercede for certain situations. The, the image we get from the Bible is he's someone who journeyed with God. And that's, that's a, a kind of image I get of this Bill guy who just in normal random situation was able to pick up uh, that someone was sad and was able to bring some hope into that situation. And that's the kind of person I would love to be as well. And to do that, I need to be intentional about praying, fasting maybe. Um, but let's take prayer seriously because it can change everything. And I think the cost of not doing it is probably too high. And the benefits of doing it are too big not to do it. So I'm going to invite us just to pause for a while and reflect on this. And uh, I'm going to give us a, a few minutes in silence for, for you to say, actually, you can just pray a bit uh, with God, speak with God. If you're at home, just maybe put the, the television on mute for a while and just be with God for a while. And if you're in here and you, you, you want to write, there's, there's papers over there and there's, um, there's a pen so you can write some prayers as well. Or you might just want to sit down and be quiet for a few minutes with God. Uh, and then we, we can do a bit of corporate prayer as well. But let's just pause and be with God for a while. And just tell him, I want to be a person of prayer. <laughs> 